I mean, being a freedom fighter, a, a force for good, it's, it's a wonderful thing. You get to make your own hours, looks good on a resume, but the pay sucks. Personal log, Bester, Al, August 3rd, 2261. By provoking Mr. Garibaldi, I put him even further at odds with his former associates and further on the path I need him to follow. What I came here to get, I got. Even her. Guess you could call it a bank shot. Yes, I've had a nice day. Today, we rebuild what was broken. Today, we restore the Grey Council. I summoned the Nine, as Valen called them together long ago. This madness has gone on long enough. I don't care if we're ready yet. I don't care if we're outnumbered or outgunned. I don't care what ISN says about us. This stops and it stops now. You tell the others. Starting right now, we fight back, and we fight back hard. This madness has gone on long enough. The Sheridan declares war on Earth. God help anybody who gets in our way. Walter Koenig guest stars on an all-new Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Match incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the Grey Council. Out there in podcast land, welcome to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast, a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. We are a group of newbies watching Babylon 5 for the very first time, and a group of first ones who have watched Babylon 5 far too much. And we are here today to talk about season four, episode 14, Moments of Transition. I'm Scott, and with me is Blake, Emily, Dustin, Kevin. Before we get started with our review and discussion, please remember to like, subscribe, follow. And as I mentioned last week, the YouTube algorithm has been kicking our ass lately. So if you can, please make sure to also hit that bell icon so you can know when we do drop our videos. Uh, because a lot of you aren't seeing them right now and it's really pissing me off. So click that button, please. And if you're listening to your podcast app of choice, please make sure to follow, like, subscribe, whatever it is. 
and also join us over on our social medias, which are listed in the show notes below, including Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our Patreon Discord, which you can get into by joining our Patreon at any level. And a special thanks to our producers, our great council members, who provide the largest donation every single month on Patreon. We really do appreciate it. We actually had a video drop last week from Bill Moomy, which was paid for by Patreon dollars. So we really do appreciate it, and that money does go back into help growing the show. So thank you very much for that. And the last thing is please leave a review wherever you're listening to this. Those reviews absolutely help us grow. And especially if they're Apple reviews, and we've got another one in here today, and this comes from Mycroft CA, and it is Hooray for Illinois is the title. And I watched Babylon 5 since the first episode and all of the sequels, and listening to the gang reviews makes me love it all over again. Bravo. We're not all in Illinois, but most of us are, so thanks. Mycroft California, or CA, we appreciate it. And again, you can leave those reviews on Apple, Audible, and Spotify, and there's a few others you can leave it on too. So anywhere you leave it, we'll see it. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. I believe Blake has a synopsis for us this week. Nalun stepped into a Mimbari tanning bed that chooses a leader and best her propositioned a woman for her body. <laughs> the leader of the warrior cast fucked around and found out. That's actually pretty good, Blake. So there we go. There's your synopsis of today's episode. Let's go ahead and listen to our newbies' first impressions on this episode first. And this episode had two favorites of the newbies, Delenn and Bester. So let's see what they have to say. Justin, first impressions from you first, so. That's me. Yeah, honestly, I wasn't sure what to think about this episode uh, for the majority of the time that I was watching it. And then the ending happened. And I shit myself multiple times in a figure of speech. Just the, the plotline resolutions were great. I love... The Bester's log at the end love kind of made my head explode a little bit. Was something that some of us have talked about was maybe a possibility, but now we kind of got some com- confirmation on that. The uh, conclusion of the Minbari War and the New Grey Council was kind of like a really cool scene to watch, especially with um, Delenn talking about the worker cast and everything like that. And then if that's not enough for us, here comes the third holy shit moment right at the end with the... Uh, Clark's attack on those two liners. So it was definitely um, Clark fucked up, Shakiri done fucked up, Bester was Bester, which is always fun to watch. So this is definitely a good episode because of the ending. Yeah, Justin, for a couple of Beyond the Rims, we kept pointing out, I was like, we're waiting to see if Justin's ever going to say if Bester was the guy behind Garibaldi, and you never got quite there. I was always in the Psycor range, but I never aimed Bester. But you adamantly actually yeah. said in one, and it was like you were so close, was you're like, Psycor's doing it, but it's not Bester. And we definitely yeah. talked about that beyond the rim. He's like, he's so close. <laughs> I was just, I almost had it. <laughs> Nicole, first impressions. Man, this episode was wild. It was really good. There was so many things that happened. So many things were tied up and answered. Uh, I thought it was really, really good. I could not help but laugh at the beginning when Bester came on and Zach and him were having their exchange. I feel like that might be one of my new favorite dynamics is Zach giving Bester shit and like Bester and Zach going back and forth. I just it's it made me laugh. I also appreciate that Bester quoted Charles Dickens in A Christmas Carol. I thought that was hilarious and random. But yeah, anyway, 
That's besides the point. So as the episode went on, obviously, there was a lot of things that happened. Delenn proved once again that she's a bad bitch. And she basically took the Mimbaris by the balls and handled it because she was stronger than all those other dudes that were standing around. And then at the end, Ivanova just losing it and being pissed. And what Clark did, that was fucked up. But yeah, just a lot went on in this episode. A lot of Garibaldi stuff, a lot of revelations. I also, too, like... Justin, my head almost exploded at Bester's personal log. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I didn't expect that. I mean, I knew somebody was possessing him or hypnotized him, but I didn't think it was Bester. I kind of felt like maybe it could have been Psychor or maybe it could have been a, a, like a shadow ally. I did not expect it to be Bester. And also, I was really sad at the end when Lita put on the Psychor stuff. I know she has to do what she's got to do to make the money, but that made me sad. I was like, don't do it. Don't give in. What a fucking episode. Like, not only did a bunch of shit happen, but it also is really escalating the, the season along. Like, I feel like, again, I've said this on other episodes, just another cog in the wheel and a turning point to what's next. So we're only a few minutes in and Delin has grabbed the Mimbari by the balls and Justin and Nicole's heads have exploded because of it. You're welcome. Emily, first impressions. Man, I feel bad for Lita. Like, I just feel so bad for her. They're she doesn't have money. They're kicking her out of her quarters, and then she has to like suck it up and sign with Psychor. Like that's just bullshit. I'm still not sure what to think about the whole Naroon situation. Yeah, I'm gonna have to sit with that one for a while. And I was actually happy to see Buster back because when they started talking about all the psycho like telepath stuff, I was like, oh, is this gonna be a Buster episode? So it's kind of nice to have him back and. Still not sure what all he's up to, but there's um, he definitely has plans for Garibaldi, which is very concerning for Garibaldi. Emily, aren't you glad that that turncoat Nerun, who's a douchebag, is finally gone? A little bit, yeah. Okay. R.I.P. Nerun. Last week, Emily was adamant that Nerun was a terrible person, and he had to be taken out, and he was nothing but trouble. And that aged well. From the Warrior cast side. I would still be right because he turned against <laughs> them and he was nothing but fucking trouble. Uh, you were definitely advocating for the warrior cast last week too. Sure you were. I was not, but you know, <laughs> I still stand. <laughs> we'll go now to our first ones who have watched the entire series and Kevin, first impressions. I really like this episode. It, it has a lot going on with it. Uh, it's always good to see Walter Koenig. You know, this had some heft behind it with this one for him certainly you know lita has been kind of building to this where something had to happen one way or the other and it's just really unfortunate garibaldi tries to do something good for her and then can't and she's left with no no options and delenn wow i mean this is such a huge episode for her it uh it, it shows you how badass she is for sure. As far as, you know, Mimbari society, I have, I have some thoughts on that that we'll get into when we get into it. But overall, this is a great episode. I really like this one. Blake. I also really enjoy this episode. And I think some of it for me is especially around the Bester pieces. As we've talked about before, Walter Koenig enjoyed his role as Bester and the writing that he, what he got to do with the role and the way he got to play it. And I think you can see that enjoyment in the role when he has these moments, especially when he's having those almost just dickish moments where he's insulting everybody around him and he's just having fun with it. So I love that part of it, but I also like where we got to see the resolution of the 
uh, Mimbari Civil War. And, you know, I kind of go back to that quote from Sheridan's father when they were talking to him at the start of the Earth conflict, when he said, you know, don't start a fight, but finish it. And then you see Delenn in this one kind of taking that same approach of, you know, we didn't start this fight, but the religious caste will end it. And you see then with the sacrifice of Narun, and I've always liked uh, Narun as a character, especially roles like this one, where he kind of makes that sacrifice at the end and he plays the warrior caste against their own prejudice, especially on the ship when uh, Shakiri's going off about not really caring who dies in this. And I think that's the turning point with Narun. You can, you see that and then Narun's like, okay, nope, we got to end this shit and Delenn's right. Uh, so seeing that storyline conclude, and then getting back, you know, we've wondered a few times, there's been some questions about where's Earth and what's Clark doing. And we see that now. We we kind of see that Earth is still out there fucking around to try to find out. And they're escalating. You know, we've got reports now of fighter wings uh, leaving Earth and defecting over to the side of Proxima. And then you've got the ship jumping in and taking out two civilian liners. So that's starting to heat up and pick that piece up for the for the season so i'm glad we're getting back to that too with this yeah and that's actually one of the questions we had brought up in beyond the rim last week that i want to bring to the newbies here in a minute after i'm done with my first impressions and that is when do you actually think narun decided to make his turn but for me this is a fun episode i really enjoy that we get two really tight stories with the a plot and b plot we get bester back He's up to his usual shenanigans, but I also like that it's not the bester comes and turns everything on its head type of storyline. This is a pretty confined storyline between Garibaldi, Lita, and Bester, mostly just Lita and Bester. And then I also like that the uh, Mimbari Civil War gets wrapped up fairly quickly, which allows us to keep the story moving quickly. And uh, because it could have been dragged out for a lot longer, but I think at the end of the day, this is the resolution that it was going to come to no matter what. So. Might as well tick it off the list as quick as we can. So we'll go ahead and talk about the Mimbari stuff first. And I, I will throw out that question again to the newbies, because uh, most of you, if not all of you, thought that Nerun was fully a turncoat at the end of Conflict of Interest. So uh, when did he actually decide to back Delenn's play? He talks about how he had talked to Delenn about the play in Conflicts of Interest, but when did he actually decide to back it? Nicole? I feel like when he was talking to Shakiri, I want to keep calling, wanting to call him Shakira, but I know that's not his name. When Shakiri was going off on the on the ship about how like he doesn't care who dies, blah, blah, blah. It's just a release of their duties or whatever that he was saying with the war stuff. I can tell that Narun was kind of getting annoyed because it is a, like the Mimbari don't kill her, the Mimbari, right? You know, so that's kind of a code that they have all had. So I can tell that made him uncomfortable about killing all the people in the city. And then when Delenn stepped into the fire ring thing and she was basically putting her hands up and dying, essentially, I think that is when he made the change because I feel like maybe he was starting to make that change. And then when, when he saw her self-sacrifice and her bravery, I think that, and he's like, no, I can't let her take the rap for this. And he took her out and he sacrificed himself, which I kind of love that. Like, I've always been kind of like, ah, damn it, Naroon, you know? But I really thought that that ending for him was noble. And I thought it was like, 
the final fuck you to Shakiri and all them, basically. I also really enjoyed that he took Shakiri's words and used them against him before he jumped in the fire, you know, um, and basically was like, well, you said blah, 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 and recited everything he said to him. So not only did he take the guy's own words and turn them on him, but then he sacrificed himself and saved Dolin. And I feel like he, when Dolin was in there and not leaving and she was basically gonna die he realized that she was the one who probably deserved to live and she was the one who deserved to kind of like usher things along because she was the one who was gonna make change and put life above everything else that's just my opinion that when she was dying and not leaving the fire that's when he made his change so you don't think he changed until the very 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 end okay well i think he was on the cusp when he was talking to shakiri but i think that was the nail in the coffin Okay. Justin. I think the turning point for him, I think maybe it had started a while ago. Um, I still think that the whole previous episode where he they were going to hatch a plan together to end the war, you know, because at the end of that episode, he said, hey, the mission was a success. I know exactly what they're going to do. I don't think he was at that point yet, but I think what turned him for sure was that scene where Shakiri was talking to him about making sure that Delenn's ship has an accident on the way back to Babylon 5. And basically, like, he's, Shakiri wants her dead, you know, because he even asked, well, what are we going to do about Delenn after this is all over? And, no, we're going to make sure that she's going to leave for Babylon 5, and we're going to make sure that she never makes it there. And I think that is what got him to turn. And Emily. I was thinking it likely started earlier, um, possibly even before the previous episode, since they'd had some conversations then, especially, like, uh, with Marcus standing up to him, like, a long time ago. And I think it was it's been in it's likely been in progress because i don't think it's just gonna be a switch flipped and oh yeah suddenly i'm changing everything i've been like brought up to believe i don't think it was switched that quick i think it's been a process in the works and his conversation with delin in the previous episode and then the conversation with shakiri in this episode especially when he was talking about like you know what about life and the like kind of like the value of life and Shakira was just like yeah whatever you're born you die the timing it is what it is and it was really kind of flippant about everything and then basically plotting to make sure Dylan doesn't make it to b5 was just showing how shitty he is and I don't know if he was actually preparing himself to try to save Dylan when she was in the beam. That might have been kind of like a last minute decision to actually act upon it. But I feel like his transition to seeing her point of view and realizing that, you know, she was at, she would be willing to sacrifice herself for the betterment of her people as opposed to Shakiri, who was just like a power hungry dick bag. And we'll go over to our first ones for their uh, thoughts on this. I think I said conflicts of interest like twice. I actually meant rumors, bargains, and lies. This is what happens when you edit episodes while you're recording new episodes. I get confused on titles. So, Kevin, uh, when did Nairun see the light, literally? With what he said right before he went into the star wheel, clearly there had been something brewing other than just talking to Delenn in the last episode. I think that he was already having the wheels turning. But I really do think it was that discussion with Shakiri. I think that really set him on that path. He seemed pretty, pretty set on the fact that Shakiri was not doing the best thing for their people overall. And Narun is the one that picked the place for this. 
So he set that whole star wheel in motion. He could have picked somewhere else and had it not mean as much. And Delenn would not have had that method of of choosing, you know, a leader. I really think it was his last discussion with with Shakiri. Well, I guess the first one for for this episode that uh, that led him to that. But I, I I don't I don't know that he was ready to betray Delenn like he like it seemed. I think he was kind of double agenting to find out what was going on with the warrior cast. But it was pretty clear that by the time they were in that temple that he was completely disgusted with Shakiri and had no bones about kind of betraying them based on his behavior clearly he felt strongly about delenn needing to survive feeling like she was the one that had the best the best chances of helping their people survive the entire civil war well blake what do you think i think he was on board with it from the start i think the way delenn probably sold it to him was not as a hey let's do this it was a here's how this can go see for yourself what shakiri does you know, that Narun lost nothing going along with it. If Shakiri rose to the occasion and went with it, same out, you know, however it was going to go. So I think Delenn probably sold it to Narun as set this in motion and see what happens. And then Shakiri's actions after that affirmed the choice that Narun was going to make. I've kind of gone back and forth on this, but after this viewing of it, I think that you're right that Narun had made the call to in this sucker one way or the other before he talked to Shakiri, but that basically uh, set him in stone that, yeah, this is the right move. And to what's been said, I think this is, and we Kevin and I talked about this last week on Beyond the Rim, I think this is the best arc of a guest star that we have. You come, he comes in season one and he is the, the villain of the week, pain in the ass, but he starts to realize, hey, this Sinclair guy isn't as bad as I thought he was. And that just continues to build all the way to this end. And I think, Blake, to your point, the meeting with uh, Shakiri uh, to reference another amazing television show, Crime, well, man, mm-hmm. I just don't know, is when I decided to kick your ass. Yep. What else do we want to talk about with uh, the Mimbari Civil War that is no longer a war and somewhat civil? So I have a thought about the fact that Delenn made the the council to be uh, uneven again i feel like that might be a mistake only because their society seems to be a really delicate balance of uh you know the the three casts i know we don't know much about the worker cast and perhaps they are they are best uh to have more power than the other two clearly the other two can't be uh can't be trusted with it, particularly the warriors but it just seems like Putting five, you know, and two and two really may upset that delicate balance. I did find it interesting that she, when she recreated the council, it was imbalanced like that. Um, But I did find her reasoning pretty solid because she's like, you know, we expect them to do all this shit while we're over here starting shit. (laughs) They're the ones building stuff for us. They're the ones creating everything we need to then go and fuck everything up. And they have, as far as the show has gone, they have been essentially ignored. So I think it'll at least be interesting to see how that plays out going forward with trying to rebuild everything after the war. And I also found it interesting that the spot was left empty for Narun. She was just kind of like, and this is going to be empty for whoever replaced comes back. The one who is to be is what she says. 
Yeah. Which, by the way, I got <laughs> nailed on Discord about this on our Patreon Discord. Hi, about how the the council is actually eight and Ducat was number nine. This clearly shows that there are nine circles with one in the middle for the one who was Ducat before that was Valen and it was Delin for about a hot minute. So there are nine plus one and it confirms in this episode that that's the case. At me on Discord. Go ahead. I'll I'll wait. <laughs> Justin. To me, it didn't really seem like as much as a of an unbalancing of the council as a new social order to a degree, because she even said that the role of the warrior cast and the religious cast from now on will be to serve and advise the worker cast. So it's not even like a, you know, an equal council of everybody. It's the Great Council's whole purpose is to advise the workers on what they think that should be done, and then the workers get to make the decision. It's, it's just a complete new restructuring of society, which there's no way to know how that's going to go at this point. Yeah, Justin, as a union boy who has a tinge of socialist when I want to, I think this makes perfect sense. I think the religious caste is there to help with culture. The warrior caste is there to protect and defend. And the worker caste is everybody else. And everybody else is a lot of people. We don't, we've never actually been told, are the castes all divided? Is it like 33%, 33%, 33%? My guess is there's a lot more workers anyway than there are warriors and religious caste members. Also, it's funny as hell that if you go back to season one, we had this conversation. We don't even know if JMS intended for there to be a workers cast. If you if you watch season one, it's kind of questionable if there's even a worker cast in the, the storyline. So I love the fact that uh, Delenn points out, we've all forgotten about the worker cast. I mean, the storyline kind of forgot about them too. <laughs> so I appreciated that little uh, little bit of fun. Nicole. Well, and also she said they're the ones that do everything for the warrior and religious cast. They build everything. They, you know, take it like they're the ones who do all the work. So the the religious and the warrior cast can lead and do what they need to do. So to me, it makes sense that that's kind of like more of them in the circle as opposed to the other ones, because they're the ones that do all the work. And as far as the way she described it as the religious and the warriors are supposed to guide and, and support the workers, are the ones that do everything. So, I mean, they were not only are they forgotten, but they're the ones that do everything for everybody else. So I feel like good for them. Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, because I may just be misremembering. But when they were talking, when Sinclair went during the whole back in time thing, what was it, War Without End? Parts one and part two, yes. And they were talking about was it Zathras said that Sinclair is the one that was, Sheridan was the one that is, and Delenn is the one that will be, or do I have that split? Flip it. Delenn is the one who is. Okay. Sheridan is the one Sheridan who will be. Sheridan is the one who will be. Okay, because then, oh, then that negates what I was going to actually say about Delenn being kind of the leader of Mimbari from here on out. But now that we've actually then already heard that Sheridan's the one who will be, maybe that middle spot in the Great Council is reserved for him. Well, and that was going to be my next question for the newbies prediction-wise, is who do you think the one who is to come or one who will be, I'm forgetting what the actual scripted line is, is going to be. So, Justin, you're thinking it's Sheridan. Nicole, what do you think? I have no idea. Okay. And Emily, what do you think? I'm really not sure. 
kind of hoping it's Lanier. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Oh, See a little badass be Lanier come out and start running things. It's my staff now, bitches. It'd be a nice little twist. And it seems like Delin is preparing him for like a higher position. So, well, she even said that herself that that's yeah. exactly what she was doing. Yeah. I mean, she's even using Dukat's words on him. I can't have an aide who will always be looking down and so forth and so on. Uh, who won't look up? A little badass Lanier. That'd be awesome. Okay, so we got two votes for Lanier, one vote for Sheridan. Justin, one thing I wanted to mention on your point is you were thinking Delin was going to be the leader. I read this as she's done leading. She did lead. She broke the council. She was still the leader of religious caste. Now I see this as peace out. I've made you a great council. I'm out. Bye bye. Well, and I agree with you now, knowing back what the correct order of the ones were back when I thought it was. Delin was the one who will be, I was thinking, well, maybe then she's destined for this, but knowing I was wrong, then I'm 100% on the same boat as you are. Nicole, what else did you have? Well, I was going to say, it kind of reminded me of Jakar when they wanted him to take over the Narns, and he was like, no, I'm not the one. Why rush into having, you know, somebody, you know, be a leader when we need to find the right person? So it kind of made me think of that. And also, Delenn easily could have stepped into that circle and taken over. But I think, yeah, I also think she's kind of like ready to pass it on to other people to take the lead of the Membari so she can focus and do other things. You can have her own life back. Yeah, exactly. Blake. I was going to comment that same thing, kind of that similarity to Jakar. We've now seen two of our main characters who had the opportunity to basically be the leader of their people. And both of them said no. I think at least in one of those, that's not uncharacteristic of the character. And in the other, it shows a, a definite development and growth in the character to step away from that type of power. But the end result's the same. And I, I think you're seeing Jakar become more of a figure akin to Delenn. And especially when you think back to the start of how those two relationships started, you know, she had the the glowy thing in the ring that basically slammed him against a wall was one of our first introductions to the two of them. And now we're drawing this comparison that the two of them both turned down the power to lead their people. You know, it's we say this a lot, but I think it's important to continue to point out that this is what makes B5 stand out from any other show, especially in the 90s. But most shows now is where your character started is not where they end. And I love that about this show. I mean, I've dogged a lot of Star Trek enough, but I'll dog other stuff like well, go to Lost. Lost was supposed to be this big overarching story. By the end of the day, they're all about the same at the end. There's not really a lot of growth. Whereas in this one, you know, Jakar was the mustache twirling guy at the beginning of the show, and now he's not. I love it. I also mentioned in my first impressions that this was a really quick end to a civil war that literally started like three episodes ago. How do y'all feel about that? Just the, the pace. I'm fine with it. I don't really see any issue with it. It's I kind of had the feeling it wouldn't be super long and drawn out anyway, just because of how, I guess, what we know about Mimbari culture. To me, I don't think that a long protracted war would be in anybody's interest. So everybody was just trying, trying to end it as soon as they could. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't feel rushed, but that might be because... I don't see each episode as like the next day or the next week. I assume there's more time in between hmm. just because there's space travel involved. Funny story though. There's not, we want, we, we've been shown over and over again that it's a year in time every season. I know, but my brain still expands <laughs> it out. So it doesn't feel weird. So it doesn't matter what you tell me, but brains can. Okay. 
Yeah, we have no control over it. It does what it wants. We have no control over Emily's brain. This is true. Nope, none. What? None whatsoever. It's just gonna do its own thing. Um, and knowing that Delyn was like hauling ass to get there, take care of shit. I was like, yeah, that's probably not gonna last too long. Nicole. Yeah, I agree. I think the pacing was fine, and I I thought it was appropriate to hit all the marks that needed to hit and have the conclusion in a you know not too brief but brief because like Emily said, once Delenn was going there to take care of shit, she takes care of shit real quick. So I thought it was totally fine. Uh, the reason why I asked the question mainly is because you know this Civil War lasted. I mean, there was some build up, but really three episodes, whereas in the Earth Civil War hasn't even really started, and we are two seasons in so that's the comparison i have let's jump over to babylon 5 and we've got our little run-in with lita and bester nicole i wanted to start with lita mainly because uh like emily said in the beginning i feel like bad for her because she's getting screwed left and right she can't get a job even though she's qualified she's getting kicked out of her quarters i just think she's just getting screwed every which way i do however love her and zach's little dynamic i i think it's so cute zach really does have a little crush on her and i really like their interactions and she like even went off on him but then apologized and then he asked her for that favor and she was like hell no and it was just it was a cute a uh, cute scene even though he was evicting her essentially what really i kind of wanted to talk about was um Obviously, she asks Garibaldi for a job and Garibaldi gives her the job and then Edgar's tells her no. And then we hear Bester's little rant at the end. So I guess my thought process was, I wonder if Bester and Edgar's are involved or maybe if like we don't know who Edgar's is, we can't see him. What if Edgar's is Bester or what if Bester has him under his control? Like, because I feel like there was a Edgar's makes him, you know, fire Lita and then Bester's like, ah, yes, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I there's something fishy going on there. And I I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. I did, however, think it was funny that Bester was, you know, busting Garibaldi's balls a little bit. Um, and then Lita called him out on reading him. And then also, I want to know when Bester walks away and Zach's like, hi, <laughs> that might be of you, by the way, Scott, something you would do. I want to know if if Zach got info out of I guess it's more of a question. But did Zach get info out of Bester on what's going on with Garibaldi's mind? But also, if Bester is the one who brainwashed him, then he's not going to be honest with Zach. So I guess yeah. it's a moot point. I think you answered your own question. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just. Hey, can you tell me what's going on with Garibaldi? He's acting weird, Bester. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, question it was. Mark? It was very twisty, but in the in the in the end, I feel the worst for Lita because she's getting kicked around and I don't like that and I don't think it's fair. And I'm even more pissed about the Garibaldi situation knowing that it's fucking Bester doing it because he said he was gonna he said he was gonna do something in that one episode. Now we know what it is. So this came up on the Usenets back today of people discussing the whole Edgar's and Bester thing and JMS Fada said Edgar's is not Bester, but he also pointed out because it was a did Bester tell Edgar's about Garibaldi? And JMS again said, no, that wasn't the case. Um, I think the best way to look at this is there are so many pieces on the chessboard with this, and Bester's manipulating all of them. Because keep in mind, there's other associates of uh Mr. Edgar's on B5. Garibaldi's not the only person there working for him. So it wouldn't be that mm -hmm. hard for someone if you wanted to slip word back. Um, you know, was it uh, Mr. Wade, I believe, is the other one that, that's Garibaldi's contact mm -hmm. on the station. So there are other people there that could slip information back and forth. 
Um, Edgar's is actually played, uh, the voice actor so far has been uh, Ephraim Zimbalist. Uh, he's been the voice actor for Edgar's so far. Justin, because you're the 90s nerd. Do you recognize that guy's voice? Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. I do, but I can't remember from what. Justin, you're going to you're gonna kick your own butt. Oh, good. It's been bothering me. He sounds familiar. He's Alfred. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> and now I hear it thinking about the episode. And now, yeah, now I want to go back it. and listen to him now all the time. Now you're going to hear Edgar say Mr. Wayne a lot. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> He's a smart ass in that show, too. Justin, what do you got? I don't know. I'm still... If because Be- I was of the same mind as Nicole, I thought Bester was the reason, and I thought it was something in Bester's um, personal log that kind of tipped me towards thinking he was the one that got Lita fired because he need because he, he said I don't I didn't write down the exact whole log, but he said something about needing to get Garibaldi on the path that he wants him on, and then also needing to have Lita where he wants her, and now he has that also. So I think it was definitely in Bester's best interest and his little smirky smile sitting there when he was watching Garibaldi fire Lita and Lita getting all pissed off and walking out. To me, that tells me that he had something to do with it, even if the Hughes net said no or whatever. But I think Bester and Edgar's are definitely in cahoots and it's all centers around Garibaldi and Lita for, for some master plan with that whole situation. But one thing that really pissed me off during this whole episode is the fact that everything Lita did during the Shadow War, having to put up with the Vorlons and then eventually helping out Sheridan, helping, you know, Brit, you know, doing her tell, you know, her her telepathic stuff at Zaha Doom and everything like that. Like, like everything that, that she did to help the Army of Light win that damn war. They couldn't at least help her out. They couldn't at least maybe put her on payroll or let her, you know, take care of her. And then it's like, oh, hey, thanks for your help, by the way. Best of luck to you. Oh, by the way, we're going to need our apartment back. And uh, hope you land on your feet. It just it just seems like she's being treated really shitty by by Babylon 5. And it just really irks me uh, for that reason. To the fact to where now she's forced to crawl. You see her so- like horrified sobbing, having to put the Psychor stuff back on. But that's she has no choice. That's what the whole situation has reduced her to. So I wouldn't be shocked at all. And I wouldn't blame her if she has a lot of animosity towards some of the command staff going forward. And if she does, it's all Sheridan's fault. All of it. I didn't say that. I'm saying saying that. I'm saying that 100 percent. It's Sheridan's fault because he has been screwing over Lita since he returned uh, from Zaha Doom. And it's one of the major reasons why I still I'm annoyed to hell with Sheridan. Emily, what do you got? Now that poor Lita has had to sign back up with Psychor, if the command group starts talking shit about her behind her back, I will lose all respect for them because they have absolutely treated her like garbage. They knew Kosh 2.0, Eva Kosh, was treating her like crap. She helped them, you know, deal with the shadows and they basically just act like she doesn't exist. Like, really? You're going to do that to her? I'm very disappointed in how they've sidelined her, ignored her, kicked her out. And then they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to need your quarters because the Vorlon aren't paying for you anymore. Like, <laughs> wow, harsh. Thought you guys are supposed to be just a little bit better than that. So, yes, I am pissed at them. Anybody else? Anything? Bueller? Bueller. The only other thing I wanted to say was I was leaving it tor- towards the end. It, 
it was a very conscious choice on JMS's part to have Lita treated this way. And it was to show that people in war, especially after a war, don't always get treated very well. You know, you could see that as stand-in for veterans. You could see it as lots of things. But uh, he did that very purposely, not because I think he was wanting to show that the command staff were all jackasses, although it surely paints, paints them all in a bad light. And as you point out, Scott, particularly Sheridan, because he has the ability to uh, fix the problem. And they've always been pretty um, you know, unclear about uh, some of the economics and how how the station especially you know works and they've said a couple of times since they broke away from earth that that money is really really tight but you know you, you gotta you gotta be able to find a few extra bucks so that she she can you know keep her quarters and eat but uh, at the same time it did seem like they were going to be uh, completely taking care of her the cost of the f size quarters. At least that's the that's the impression I got, and perhaps that was not not the impression others got, but that seemed to be what I thought they were implying is that okay, we're going to move you to F size quarters, and then you know we're going to cover the cost of that. Did anyone else feel that that's that's what they were saying? No. Okay. I, I thought they were saying you need to move because we need someone who has the money to pay for these quarters. Okay. And I thought the whole motivation with moving her down to F is, yeah, it'd be cheaper than maybe she can find a way to be able like, to me, there wasn't anything in Zach's description that made it sound like that she won't have to pay for it. I think she's still going to have to find a way to pay rent. It's just not going to be as expensive as what she was in before. Yeah. And perhaps that's just wish casting on my part, but I was kind of hoping, okay, you know, she'll get moved to smaller quarters and they'll cover the cost of it. Um, no, that would require Sheridan to not be a douchebag. Yeah, so. which yeah, he he definitely is not representing particularly well this season. I will admit. Yeah, I thought I was supposed to start liking him more this season. Well, and I'm sorry. That's that's why I like season three uh, the best because he's also much more likable in season three, and some of that some of the storylines there I think are more interesting. But you know. I'm sure we'll have lots to say about that at some point. Is he though? There's still eight episodes left of season four. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Nicole, I saw you nodding your head emphatically. I think you agreed with Kevin. Well, it to me, it sounded like maybe that maybe it was going to be either their free housing or more affordable. Like he didn't say like, oh, you can't afford this one. So we're moving you. He just said we're moving you because the Vorlons aren't paying for this one anymore. So I thought maybe there was like an area that was either like, if you don't have money, you can live here kind of thing. Um, but that again, I think I'm with Kevin on that. Just wishful thinking. Um, but uh, what I wanted to say was I thoroughly enjoyed her reaction when Bester said, I want your body. Oh my God. That was classic. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? And he's like, that's interesting that you said that to a telepath. Like I, that whole interaction cracked me up. It made me think of Jakar trying to, uh, mate with her <laughs> in the <laughs> beginning i was like everybody wants to get a piece of this woman you know um but yeah that was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole show did you see her cute hairdo everyone wants a piece oh, yeah. of her hairdo her hair looked on point she looked very pretty in this whole episode mm. she did emily what do you got so i'm honestly starting to wonder if sheridan is afraid of lita because of her improved abilities due to the vorlon if he's actually trying to hide something from her and that's why he's keeping her at a distance. Because why wouldn't they need a telepath with them on command to help him out with everything going on? 
especially with Mars and Clark and all that, like, wouldn't she come in handy with all these better abilities? She comes in handy. That's that's the that's the thing is, I, and I think like too, she's proven her worth, and yet they keep sidelining her. Like, why are you doing that unless you're afraid of something personally? I I don't even think it's that. I think well, I mean, Zach has said that he said, you know, we're all freaked out by you, but I think it truly is. She's just been dehumanized. She doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. She's a cog. So when Sheridan needs her, he'll send Zach down to her quarters to say, hey, we need you. Captain needs you. Come on upstairs. And that's it. It's not like a big conspiracy theory, like we're trying to keep you away or we're scared of the Vorlons. To me, it's she doesn't matter. And so because she doesn't have lunch and breakfast with Sheridan every day, he doesn't care. And that's more frustrating than anything else. Yeah, but I really want to know why Buster is focusing on Garibaldi. Like, why he was the one, why he selected Garibaldi. Like, did it happen to be because Garibaldi was in a ship that could be abducted? Or is there something specific about Garibaldi and his knowledge of B5, how to get around all the rules, and, like, knowledge about Sheridan and Sinclair? Which might be more of a question thing, but I'm really curious as to why Garibaldi other than he can cook. Because, I mean, that seems like a really useful skill. Justin? I just think it's simply the matter of fact that I think, I one, I agree with you, with, with you, Scott, about she's not really, she's viewed more as an asset than as a human being. And then, two, how many times have we heard, especially not, in the, not only in this episode, but in other episodes, I just don't trust telepaths. And I think that's a big part of it, too, where, you know, even Ivanova, even though she was in love with one at some point, Ivanova doesn't trust telepaths. I don't think Sheridan does. Garibaldi has said he doesn't he doesn't want to like to work with telepaths because he doesn't trust them. So it's it's still a lot of I don't know what you would call it, a lot of um, I guess for lack of a better word right now, bigotry against people who have telepathic abilities. And so then now naturally she's gonna be reduced. Yeah, we don't trust you, we don't like you, but we'll use you when you're you know, when you're when you come in handy. But other than that, she's a second class citizen. What did Edgar say when Garibaldi called him out? I was like, well, you're trying to cure them of something. Well, I would cure a lab rat if it helps. But he doesn't want to work with it. Yeah. 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 And there's absolutely, I think, and we, it's, we, there's been undertones of this throughout the show. And if you go back and do a rewatch, you'll see a lot more of it. But there's always been, to your point, a bigotry towards telepaths. But you're completely right. We are seeing a lot more of it now than what we did in previous uh, previous seasons. That's for sure. I guess I I just thought that it was all about them being afraid of her because of her uh, closeness with the Vorlons and her extra powers. But I guess I wanted to feel like the command staff wouldn't wouldn't be bigoted towards her with the the fact that she's just playing playing a telepath regardless of the other stuff. But um, there does seem to be a, an undertone of that that is kind of disappointing. Kevin, you very well, well may be right, but I just think that Sheridan literally had a Vorlon inside of him, and he's not being ostracized. Absolutely. Yeah, it does point to that when you put it that way, for sure. It's a, it's just unfortunate that no one is really coming to her defense. I mean, even even Zach, I mean, he doesn't you know march into Sheridan's office and go, you know what, this is wrong. We need to take better care of her. No, he likes her. He definitely has a crush on her. That's pretty clear, but... And, you know, he he's a newer member of the command staff, so he may not feel like he has that that ability to um, to play that card. But 
he absolutely could have done that and chose not to do that. And that that's a little cowardly, but it's also uh, cowardly for anyone who might feel that way, like a Franklin or anybody else. But Garibaldi, man, like he's the one that's known her the longest. And he definitely tried to, um, you know, throw her a lifeline. But there's got to be something else that somebody could do for her. And they're just not doing it because they don't want to. Yeah, you're completely right. The one thing I want to bring up, too, because you mentioned, again, the Zach and Lita scenes. When we first saw this, we being Blake, Kevin, Mike, and I, we didn't have third space. So we just saw Kev, or Kevin, we just saw Zach being continually to be awkward around Lita. So this is the one thing I like about third space is because now we've seen that he did try to shoot a shot. And in his mind, she shot him down completely. So we see this awkward, like, tapping on the shoulder and really trying to be more chummy than trying to be something else. Third Space actually helps that scene, I think. It's the one thing that Third Space helps with. <laughs> but it's, I think it does help that scene once you've, if you've watched it that before you watch this scene, which for most of us, that wasn't the case. Anything else on the B5 storyline? Before we get into questions and predictions. Okay, let's move into questions and predictions. And for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, we ask our newbies any lingering questions uh, they may have, and then also have them predict what they think is going to happen next. And they have not watched past Moments of Transition, which, by the way, no one mentioned that Moments of Transition is in Jakar's speech after Zaha Doom, by the way. He says that life is a ma- is moments of transition followed by moments of revelation. So You expect us to remember things like that, really? Yes. You know, I'm actually kind of mad at myself because I wrote that down. There you go. See, Nicole, in her mind, knew exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so we'll go into questions and predictions, and we'll go to Emily first. Questions and predictions. And oh, by the way, I already wrote down why is Bester using Garibaldi? Thank you. That one. And then who is Edgar's really? Because when he was talking to Garibaldi and his response was in the fullness of time, I got like a weird Vorlon vibe from that response. I'm not saying he's Vorlon. But right, say, are you predicting that Edgar's no, is a Vorlon? I am not saying that at all. Because like- that's almost as big as Justin's Their Angels. No, I am not saying he's Vorlon, although that'd be fascinating. But it had like that weird, it was just a weird response. And I was just like, I don't know about this, but who is he really if no one has a photo of him and no one knows what he looks like? So how do you know it's, he is who he says he is? Like, I just have a lot of questions about him and what all he's connected to. Well, I think Lisa's seen him. Just, I would hope. we think, but <laughs> even that seemed a little questionable. The trust issues abound on this show. Look, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have zero trust issues. This one, she's kind of legitimate because we haven't seen the dude's face. We haven't That's seen true. him. They even mentioned that in the episode, like, because, um, what was it? Zach was talking to Garibaldi and was like, I've looked into him and he's like the 10th wealthiest person, but no one has a photo of him, which just makes me question what's actually going on there. See, that one, I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this, but that actually doesn't surprise me. I mean, uh, many billionaires are very much media hounds. Yeah. But, I mean, 
I can see somebody just moving money around and investing here and there and having a huge ass hedge fund, but keeping to themselves and not having a face for the camera. I can yeah, see that just having all their little fingers and little weird ass. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, not Elon, the other types. Oh God. <laughs> Did he yeet himself to Mars yet? Uh, okay. Anywho, uh, um, yeah, any that's predictions? Really Aside from Edgar Vina Vorlon, any other predictions? That is not what I said. I just said it sound it had like that weird Kashi vibe to it because like it's such a non-specific response. There's another line for this show. You have a Kashi vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're fucking Vegas shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no predictions at this point. Okay, and uh, Nicole, questions and predictions. Well, kind of to piggyback what Emily said, do we know if Edgar's is even human? Like, you know, uh, also, is he someone who has been around for a while because he speaks like a very old, ancient person? So I don't know. Maybe there's something weird about him. But um, that's yeah, he's I get a vibe, too. I get what you're saying, Emily. I was like, why are you talking like you're 900? Nicole, I love that you doubled down. I gave Emily shit on the Vorlon thing, and you're like, he's a time traveler. <laughs> well, I didn't say it was a Vorlon. I just said, who knows he's if he's human. He's a techno mage. There yeah. you go. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> they all went beyond the rim, or so maybe we he's, think. Maybe he's a Zathras. I don't know. No. <laughs> he's Zathras number seven. <laughs> Garibaldi's going to show up on Mars, and Zathras is going to be like, hey! <laughs> now, that would be epic. Um <laughs> But Meme that shit, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you like a, my hot wife? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. There you go, Zathras. Okay, this is like AR, <laughs> AI art, which I don't condone. But you know, Zathras like on a romance novel holding lease. Oh yeah. <laughs> like Fabio. <laughs> Our Facebook is going to be unbearable. Okay, but can we do a meme like that? Breeze. But Jakar and Londo. And then cuckold Garibaldi just in the background going. Hmm. Aww. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> go, my minions. Go. We need yes. some memes, okay? We need more memes. Oh, that's funny. Um, Sorry, Nicole. Continue. That's okay. Shit, I forgot what I was gonna say. Now, um, yeah, and I guess my other question would be like, what the hell is Buster gonna do with Garibaldi? Like, um, and I guess almost why Garibaldi? Like, I I get why he picked Garibaldi because he's kind of a loose cannon and he's kind of like a very important cog in the wheel of the command staff so i can see why disrupting the command staff would be part of bester's plan um but i just want to know what he's going to do with them and if regular garibaldi is ever going to come back from fake garibaldi um that'd be my biggest question i started chuckling uncontrollably because when you said why garibaldi i was thinking drax who is gamora where is gamora why <laughs> yeah. is gamora yeah <laughs> that's good um but yeah so I think really that those are my biggest questions like and then I guess what's going to happen with Lita now is she really going to be able to be kind of like a free agent like he promised or is Bester going to try to control her and make her you know do psychor stuff or is he going to hold up his end of the bargain where she can kind of work on her own and this and that so I just I'm really concerned about what's going to happen for her um prediction wise I really don't know. I mean, obviously they're going to start attacking and and the the war with Earth is going to heat up. So I guess that would be my only prediction is that we're about to see shit go down uh between Earth and and the resistance. So would you say that shit shit intensifies 
Or how do you put that, Justin? Shit escalates. escalates. Shit escalates. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't even going to say it because the shit you gave me last time, but there it is. <laughs> Shit's always escalating somehow. Especially after Taco Bell. Justin! <laughs> Doesn't even take Taco Bell, my friend. Oh, um, Jesus. All right. Questions. Other than everyone, I mean, like, like everyone else, I too would like to know what is Bester's master plan with Garibaldi. I think it has to do something with trying to destroy Babylon 5 from within. Um, But how exactly that comes to fruition, I have no idea yet. And then also, I question if, if, I also question if Edgar's is even real. Um, I think maybe Lise could very well be lying. Lise could have married somebody she thinks is Edgar's, may not really be Edgar's. So I I don't I don't buy in the whole thing that he's just some reclusive billionaire. I think he's some kind of shadow op situation. There's a Twilight um, Zone episode like that where they talk to somebody on the radio the whole episode and then find out it's an AI at the end. Yeah. Oh I I I know I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. And it's so that's kind of that's what I kind of feel about Edgar's. Um uh so going into predictions, I think Garibaldi will eventually somehow discover the truth about what happened to him especially if Bester's going to be around poking and prodding him i think i think eventually garibaldi will find out something happened to him or that he is being manipulated and he'll find a way to break the brainwashing so i think he will eventually come around um then with prediction number two with just with i think the timing of sheridan going to be wanting to go off and go on the offensive against earth and delin still recovering and trying to make her way back i think it's going to be a long time before we see sheridan and delin reunited again so i think a lot of bad shit's going to go down before they get to see each other again um prediction number three it's trap i think this whole thing with the attack on the ships is just on proxima was just an attempt to draw Sheridan out. So I think he's going to gather up the forces, and I think he's going to drive headlong into a trap, and I think it's going to get messy, and losses will be heavy. But those are my predictions for this episode. Excellent. Well, we'll go ahead and leave our newbies there and shove them out the airlock, and we will talk to them next week when we get to No Surrender, No Retreat. And oh, by the way... It's the name of the season, right? There you go, Justin. You got it. So next week's episode is No Surrender, No Retreat. Can I uh, put out a request for a meme? I want a Shit Escalates meme. I want a Shit Escalates t-shirt. Me too. Okay, we can make that happen. (laughs) T-shirts at least. I'm no good at making memes. You can have like Sheridan jumping off of uh, the um, balcony on Zaha Doom with a little tag that says Shit Escalates. Shit Escalates or something. (laughs) Or even if I can't get a graphic, at least put shit escalates in the babylon 5 script on it there you go there you go black t-shirt with purple script got it so until next week when we talk about no surrender no retreat i have been scott and with me has been what emily justin kevin and nicole we will leave our newbies here as i said and we'll be back after the credits where blake kevin and i will discuss all of these questions and predictions a reminder again to like subscribe follow leave comments And then also leave reviews uh, at your podcast app of choice. That really does help us grow the show. And uh, if you can, join us over on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also we have our Patreon Discord where I'm sure I'll be yelled at again shortly. God willing. Bring your memes. (laughs) Bring your memes. Later, Gators. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. 
You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast or youtube.com at gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. This is our spoiler section, so if you have not watched past this episode, Moments in Transition, or if you just don't remember what happens next, this is where you should check out and come back next week. For all the rest of you, we're going to dive into these questions and predictions from our newbies. And guys, the first questions revolve around Mr. Bester, and that is, why is Bester using Garibaldi, and what is he going to do to him? What's the plan? So I think this gets into also part of the second question with Eggers because you know, Eggers is talking about a cure for telepaths. That's not what he's doing. He's got mm-hmm. a basically a plague for telepaths to keep them under control. And Besser suspects or knows this. And his ploy is he's using Garibaldi to get to Eggers uh, mm-hmm. to get his hands on what Eggers has uh, that could be a threat to telepaths. Yeah. And I, I, we've kind of mentioned this a couple of times before, too, and I think Bester kind of alludes to it, is he really didn't have a master plan about how this was going to play out. He just wanted, as he said in this episode, to turn Garibaldi against everybody else. And he didn't even expect him to quit security. He just wanted to make sure Garibaldi was in a place where he could be manipulated towards this meeting he's going to have in a few weeks and making sure that happens, which... I guess we could knock out a prediction right now, too. Justin thinks that Bester is trying to undermine B5. Bester doesn't care. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he cares, but that's not his end game here. His end game is to take out Eggers, which goes to the next part. But like, who is Eggers really? Is Eggers a human? Is he really old? <laughs> or is he not real? <laughs> I, I looked it up. Uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. was 79 when this came out. So, yeah, wow. kind of up there in age for sure. Basically, if you come off with any kind of British or higher educated accent, Nicole's going to assume you're 900 years old. Yeah. That's what we got out of this. Which I always assumed that Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. was uh, British, but he's born in New York and his his father was a, a Russian immigrant to the Really? So, yeah. I was just doing some quick reading. It was kind of interesting. So, is Edgar's an AI of Orlan? Or a really old guy, oh, he's guys. Very real, very real billionaire or whatever kind of uh, whatever term they put on it in the in that century. He's but, rich and he's uh, old. It explains how he got lease. I'm, th- I'm thinking back to, and this is not a movie I should be referencing here, but Rat Race and John Cleese is in it, and he goes, "I can do whatever I want. I'm eccentric." <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I, we don't know what to say to that, Scott, so let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to Lita. 
What's next for Lita, aside from boning Byron? Well, she's going to save their butts again um, at, at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And she's still going to get shafted later on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it doesn't get much better for Lita. She's going to continue to help them out and continue to be treated like garbage. You know, I've been kind of torn. We've we've been in contact with Pat Tallman a couple times, and uh, she's definitely willing to chat with us. But I've been kind of punting that because I really want the newbies to have a full conversation with her. So that's why I've been waiting probably until mid-season five when we, we bring her on, just because there's so much still to come with uh, Lita, whether you like it or not. Uh, and after so, Byron gets taken out, that's pretty much that that halfway through the season. I mean, she's still in this the rest of the season five, right. but that's really where her major story arc in the show proper uh, comes to a conclusion. If you read the books, she you know is a major uh, piece of the telepath war, but we never get that in the show. But yeah, so um, I'm interested to see how the newbies handle how Lita gets from where she is right now, crying, putting on the, the side core shield to uh, midway through season five. It'll be interesting to see how they feel about that lovely part of season five. I gotta say, I just recently watched that half of season five and maybe it's just because I built it up in my mind, but I, uh-huh. I wasn't quite as annoyed by it as I was thinking I would be. It doesn't mean I loved the the storyline, but I didn't find it quite as annoying as I was expecting to. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I have not done that, uh, but I'm very interested to see how I feel because um, season five is pretty weak for me. And so, especially that first part of season five. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how our newbies are going to feel about it and how I'm going to feel about it too. Moving on into predictions. Uh, who is the one to be? Uh, we have one vote for Sheridan and two votes for Lanier. And Kevin, I saw you're uh, you're trying very hard, and you did really well not doing anything when they brought up Lanier as the one. Yeah, I, I just I re- I wish we had gotten that on Babylon Five because it would have been a much better storyline for Lanier than the crap that we got in season five. Um, I mean, it was it was okay him going off to to the to the rangers i i didn't hate that storyline but then of course uh as you pointed out several times scott it's just total character assassination by the end of the series yeah i mean with lanier i I don't think i would ever say he would be the leader of mimbari but i and i mentioned this to kevin on a side chat I just wanted him to be on CNC with Lockie, Lockley, Taylan, and everybody else as like the next generation of B5. And the fact that he didn't get that after being a main character for the entire show, it really, really pisses me off. So that's another reason why I'm interested to see how I feel about season five. Yeah, I, I, I would, I hope we actually do, you know, get a chance to chat with Bill Mooney at some point, and maybe, maybe that won't happen. But uh, I would love to ask him, and and maybe he's been asked before, and I'm just not aware of his answer. But I, I wonder how he feels about that whole turn that his character took, because I, I hate it. <laughs> I have, I have pinged the man quite a few times and never gotten a yes or a no. So if anyone has any really good connections with Bill Moomy, hook me up, because I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, another curveball on for the one who's to be that I think they all overlooked is David. Yeah. Because you've mm-hmm. got David, who's yeah. basically a direct descendant of the one who was, the one who is, and the one who will be. Yep. And we know for a fact 
that the newbies know about him because we were told in War Without End, yeah. David's okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, obviously it's not Sheridan. Uh, Sheridan will be the one for the, you know, the Alliance, but he will not run Mimbar. So I, I don't, uh, I think your your guess, Blake, is probably the best. And that is a, a David becomes kind of that bridger of the two uh, cultures down the road, which we never hear that or see that that I'm aware of. But that makes the most sense and also kind of ties into the original mm-hmm. plan for B5 that we talked about a while back. And what we saw from uh, the the Babylon 5 animated movie is that uh, Sheridan kind of a little bit bewildered by things on Minbar, and I don't think he would have worked out in that position particularly well. <laughs> the worker class would have voted his ass out really quick. <laughs> Since Kevin brought up the animated movie, the nice thing with that is that can't, that cleans the slate. I mean, we get to start over with, yeah. so you mean you mentioned the season five storylines, uh, Lanier, that movie wipes the slate. So I really hope we get to see more yeah. after that. Yeah. The slate. I, I had yeah. the same thought, particularly about Lanier. I was hoping, hoping that, especially because we are lucky enough still to have Bill Mooney uh, with us, that maybe they would do something with Lanier that would be much more to the fans liking than, like I said, the crap that we got. Yeah. Well, that's JMS has said that that final scene in that new universe where Sheridan Sinclair and Lockley are on the same station at the same time, which is another interesting thing. Yeah. Um, that that does not tie into his reboot plans, but I can see if we do get in more anime movies, which I fully believe we are going to get more anime movies, that they could use that as a springboard for some stories. That being said, the next anime movie I want is because we've been talking about it for 30 years is I want a telepath war movie. Yeah. I want to get that story. Uh, you can, you can do so much with that. You could do supposedly Lita and Lanier are very much a part of that, even though I don't like how that ends in the books. Uh, you can finally have Garibaldi finally get his one up on Bester. Uh, you could do that in the same movie. That's the kind of stuff I would love to see in the next anime movie, but maybe that's a bonus conversation for another day. Well, and given that JMS owns the movie rights, you know, he can probably shepherd that stuff along a little bit easier than he's having with the television show too. I believe that's just theatrical movie rights because Warner brothers came to him and said, we're going to do this. Oh, okay. Do you want to be a part of it? So I, 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 I do not know his contract in and out, but I believe that was a contract that said theatrical movie rights he owned. Anything uh, TV or straight to media is Warner Brothers. That being said, I know Warner Brothers made some buku bucks off that first movie, and they can churn out animation pretty quick, as we've seen with DC, so I'm hopeful. Um, I bet you, and I don't know this, and I did not hear this, and don't yell at me, JMS, because you haven't said this, and I haven't read it from anything on you, is I bet he's already written at least one more story, and they're working on it, because I don't think they would wait long after the number one sales spot on Amazon for like three weeks in a row for that movie. Uh, I think Warner Brothers probably greenlit the second one almost immediately, is my guess. Uh, I hope you're right. But again... (laughs) We're here to talk about moments of transition. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the war with Earth is going to heat up. Yeah. Next episode, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of alluded to it with the conversation today, and we'll definitely talk about it at the end of season four, but the pacing in the next eight episodes is going to be almost breakneck because they are moving towards the end of the show. 
and for what they know. They are going to film Sleeping in Light at the, as the last episode of the season, not knowing if they're going to have a season five. So things are going to, as Justin would say, shit's going to escalate real quick. Next one, Bester is trying to destroy B5 from within, which we already kind of answered, and that is no, that's not his main goal. And so the next one is eventually Garibaldi will figure it out and break free of the brainwashing. Um, well, <laughs> he's not going to break free because he did anything except sit there, but um, he will be released from the brainwashing. Yeah. And yeah, he will have a few thoughts about it. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the, the tragic thing about this is he doesn't break free. Bester's like, I'm done with you. You've done everything I needed you to do. I'm done. Right. Have fun. And now, and as Bester points out, now you get to deal with the consequences. Have a nice day. Uh, it is going to be a long time before Sheridan and Delenn are reunited. Like, when do they get reunited? You've watched ahead, cheater. I think it's like the next episode. Delenn shows back up on the station. Probably. It, it's not a long separation. <laughs> but there is a longer separation once he goes off to Proxima because uh, then there's a point where maybe it's not going off to Proxima. It's when he goes off, when he goes off to find his dad, yeah. that's what happens. And then there comes a point where Ivanova takes over the fleet and Delenn takes over maintenance of the station. Mm-hmm. So there's a point there where there's a gap. So if they do get reunited next week, which I can't remember, then they're going to get split up again until um, earth falls. Yeah. Right. She doesn't have much to do with, you know, the, the earth civil war part. She's going to be on Babylon five, trying to keep things together. Mm-hmm. point out they're not going to have a lot of interaction for quite a while but i i do th- I, I i agree with blake i'm pretty sure there's a reuniting uh pretty soon here cool um and while she's working on b5 she's behind the scenes because sheridan has this plan by the time he goes off to take on earth that he does want to create this alliance if he doesn't already have this plan so she's working behind the scenes to do that as well too to get that ready and then uh, Proxima is an attempt to draw Sheridan out. He's this close again. This close. Because there will be an attempt to draw Sheridan out, but this is not it. Yeah. This uh, Proxima will happen. They will liberate Proxima. And then Clark will say, we need to get this guy. And they'll use his dad as the reason to do that. I'm right on that, correct? Guys, you're the ones who watch ahead. Am I right well, on that? And isn't it... Isn't it um... Like Wade or somebody that has something to do with that. Well, because they get they get Garibaldi to, I don't know. God damn it! I rely on you guys to cheat. What I'm pretty doing? sure it was Wade who. Hold on. Set that in motion. I've got the full synopsis is in here. Okay, so no surrender, no retreat. Okay, Garibaldi leaves for Mars at the end of that episode. Then we have exercise of vital powers. Edgar's is on Mars. Okay, so then the next episode face of the enemy this is where uh uh well i'm looking maybe it is a longer separation because i'm looking at the next few episodes and delin's not listed on the cast list oh okay okay so yeah garibaldi is the one who tells sheridan clark has your dad right and that's when sheridan goes off and he actually goes off with the uh um agamemnon to go deal with that yeah the agamemnon agrees to transport him to help find his dad. So I think, yeah, Blake, that's why I was like, I don't, I don't think Delenn gets back in time. Okay. When she gets back, um, God, I need to watch these episodes ahead. Uh, when she gets back, uh, yeah. he's already gone. I'm pretty sure. 
Because the next time Delenn is even in the synopsises at all is interaction intersections where she's back on the station. That was it for the questions, predictions. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Somebody convinces Garibaldi to bring Sheridan out this way. Oh, he's, you know, he's sick. We'll help him. I remember that scene, but I can't remember for sure if that was Wade or somebody else. I think it was Edgar who convinced Garibaldi to turn Sheridan in. Yeah, it was Edgar's. Okay. So, Blake, you're right. It was Edgar's. So, if Wade had something to do with that, that would make sense, but it was all based on Edgar's. He's just the side guy. Message guy, yeah. Okay. So, that will go ahead and end it for us in our conversation of moments of transition. And we'll be back here next week to talk about No Surrender, No Retreat. Until then, I've been Scott, and with me has been Blake and Kevin. Please, please, please like, click all the buttons, join us on conversations on our social medias. And if you can, please leave a comment that really does help us. And to my YouTube friends, subscribe, bell icon, comments, like arrow, just click all the buttons because YouTube is still kicking my ass and it's really annoying me. So thanks for the help. Well, there is just no delicate way to say this. I want your body. What? Are you out of your mind?